Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm glad that you're here. And as, as Tom already said, we're, we're beginning a, a new series, um, and uh, it's going to be on sexual ethics. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the body. And I hope that you'll be uh, praying for this series. I think it's an important series and a, a timely subject that needs to be discussed. We live in confusing times, and it's difficult to know what is real, what is not, uh, what is true, what is not. We, we, we live in times where people can manipulate photos, they can manipulate videos and voices, and, and present the opposite of, of what actually happened. And so our, our lives are, are filled um, with, with voices that are saying different things. And so one person's going to take one position, another person's going to take another position, and we're hearing all these noises. We have lost trust in institutions. We no longer rely on government officials, journalists, scientists, educators, and even ministers to provide answers to life's questions. And so the combination of these events and others have led to two major problems in our culture. The first is it's led to a mental crisis, a mental health crisis. And people are just overwhelmed. They, they don't know what to do. Uh, and for some, it's just, it's just too much. We just can't navigate these waters. We can't figure it out. The second problem is that people have embraced views that are just completely untrue. And why do we do this? We do it because we do not want to be confused. We do not want to be without answers. And so what we do is we just believe what we want to believe, even if there's no rational reason for doing so. We see this in the proliferation of conspiracy theories. But these aren't the only untruths that, that people are believing and accepting. It's everywhere. And the question of our age is this. Who or what can I trust? And this question here has implications for our life right now. It has implications for our future here on this earth. Most importantly, it has implications for eternity. What are you betting your future on? What are you betting your eternal destiny on? Is it what you read on the internet? Is it what some TV pundit says? The, these questions are directly related to this one. Who or what can I trust? And for Christians, we have an answer. And the answer is God. We don't have to rely on ourselves. We don't have to look to our wisdom or the wisdom of someone else. We have the wisdom of God. And so we look to someone beyond ourselves. We look to someone who is greater than we are. We look to the person who created each and every one of us, and this is who we trust. The next question then is this, how do we hear from God? And this question is equally important. Do people receive contradicting messages from God? Or has God given 
one message for all people. If God loves us and cares for us, do you think he wants to confuse us or to unify us? We may also ask, is God fair? Is God just? If he is just, then he has one ethical standard, not many ethical standards. He does not say it's okay for some to steal, but not for others. He says stealing is wrong. It's wrong for all people. What is God's singular message to us? How do we hear from God? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God has given us his word. We have one message from God that is able to make every human being complete. And so scripture contains the key to life. It teaches us who we are and, and, and how we are meant to live. And all of this is from God. Now, either we believe this or we do not. If God has communicated his will to me, if, let me put that again, if God has not communicated his will to me, then I might as well just do whatever I want. I might as well just live however I want to live. There's, there's no reason for me to be here this morning if God has not spoken to me through his word. But, if God has spoken to me through his word, then I need to show up. And I need to pay attention. And I need to know what is in the word of God so that I can conform my life to his will. I, I, I need to know how to live. Because I cannot do it on my own. I need to know what to do. And God reveals this to me in scripture. And so we're about to begin an important journey. We, we live in a world of confusion. But if we believe that God speaks to us through his word and, and reveals to us how we are to live, then we don't have to be confused. In fact, what we can do is we can help guide others through the confusion that is rampant in our culture. We can be a light in the darkness. And so I hope you will open your hearts and minds to God as we begin this journey. And, and listen to God. And pray that God will open your eyes to his will and his beauty for all creation. The, the journey that we're beginning is an exploration of the body. We want to discover what we were made for. We want to learn why God gave us bodies and what these bodies are for. We want to look at what God teaches us about our bodies. And we want to look past the confusion of our culture and open ourselves to what God has to say. And so I want to invite each of you on this journey, encourage you to be here every Sunday if you can. If you find these messages helpful, then um, you know, share them online. There, there are lots of people who are overwhelmed 
by the confusion that we face. And I, I, I truly believe that God can guide us through all of this. And so where do we begin? Well, we must begin in the beginning. When you read Genesis 1, you will notice a common refrain. It was good. It was good. It was good. And so over and over again, God says this about his creation. He says it about the sun, moon, and stars. He says it about the, the fish in the sea. He says it about the, the, the animals on the land. He says it about the trees, the plants, and the flowers. Everything that God makes is good. And this is where we have to begin. On the sixth day, God says this about his creation. Um, he, 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 he makes man and woman. He uh, creates human beings. And he says this again, but he adds something to it. He says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And so humans, as God created them, are very good. And I'm not sure that we've spent enough time exploring what this means. How did God create us. What is God saying here? He created us with bodies. He created us with taste buds. He created us with sexual desires. He created us to laugh. He created us to see and to smell. And all of this is very good. It is how God created us. Now, Christianity has not always done a good job of affirming this message especially in relation to sexual desire. There have been times in history, in the history of the Christian church where sexual desire has been suppressed. It has been seen as a negative, not a positive. But the first thing the Bible says about sexual desire is not that it's bad, but that it is good. Now, obviously, what God says that is good here can be abused. For instance, God has given us taste buds, and he's given us food to eat. We're to enjoy food. But a person could eat to the point where they're unable to enjoy life. It could negatively impact their health. It could shorten their lifespan. And so this would be an abuse of God's goodness. And the same applies to sexual desire, laughter, and, and all the rest of God's blessings. If we do not use them as God intended, then they become a curse on our lives. So scripture begins with a vision of what bodies are for. It begins by telling us who we are and the purpose for which we were created. If we, as Christians only talk about what we are against, then we are not presenting the full message of the Bible. If all people hear from us is what not to do, then they will have no idea what it is that they are supposed to do. And this has been the approach the, the church has sometimes taken in the past when it comes to sexuality. And it's no wonder that our kids are confused. We're, we've told them everything they're not to do, and we've never explained what God wants them to do. That's unhealthy. A biblical vision of sexuality 
begins with purpose and clarity. God made us sexual beings for a reason. He blessed it, and it is good. Sex is good. Can I say that in church? And, and, and we, you know, we laugh, and I understand, but there, there's something there. We've distorted sexuality so much, not just in the church, but in the world, that it almost sounds wrong to say that in church. And if you think about it, that's just insane. Who gave us sex? Who made us sexual beings? Who gives the command to be fruitful and multiply? The answer to all those questions is God. And the church needs to speak openly and honestly about sex. We haven't. And this is one of the reasons that we find ourselves in the position that we're in today. When we open our Bibles, we see goodness everywhere. But that's just the beginning. We also need to understand what is a human being. Because when we do not properly understand who we are, we end up viewing our bodies through an improper lens. And so Genesis 2 and verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Human beings are unique. What is a human? A human is body and spirit. And you cannot separate those two and still have a human being. That's what makes us human. We are neither angels nor animals. An angel is a spiritual being without a body. An animal is a body but not a spirit. It doesn't have a spirit within them. What makes us human is, we, is that we have both. What happens when we see ourselves as something else? Well, let's begin with, with angels. God did create spiritual beings without bodies, but we are not them. We do not become an angel when we die. We have a spirit, but we also have a body. You could say that we are embodied spirits, and it's important that we get this right. We're not spirits that are waiting to escape our bodies. We do not die and then become floating spirits in the sky. That is a pagan idea. We believe in the resurrection of the body. That's what we celebrate every Easter. That's why we are meeting on the first day of the week. That's the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. And when Jesus returns, we will be raised from the dead and our bodies will be redeemed. What happens, though, when we see ourselves as spirits waiting to escape our bodies? What happens is that we, we demonize the physical and we idolize the spiritual. We begin to think that what is physical, anything that is physical, is evil or that it's not desirable. We begin to think that the way to connect to God is to suppress the physical in order to become more spiritual. Does that sound familiar? And Christians have taught forms of this over the years. 
in order to draw closer to God, what you need to do is suppress your sexual desire. You need not to laugh. You need to not feast. Don't do anything that would make people think that you're having a good time. And, and, and this is what happens when we see ourselves in an angelic way. When we see ourselves as spirits that don't need bodies. It's a distortion of who we were created to be. Now the opposite of that view is to see ourselves as bodies without spirits. And, and this is an animalistic view. If we are just bodies without spirits, then we can do with our bodies whatever we like. If we are just flesh, it does not matter. Animals mate with whoever they want. And so rather than suppress our sexual desires, we allow them to take control. There is no morality. There is no right or wrong. It's just do whatever you want to do. And we allow our passions to guide us and direct us. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like the culture. But this does not lead to a happy life because we were not created to be animals. Now the good news is that we are neither angels nor animals. What we are is we are human beings. And this means something. It means that we're unique. God gave us bodies. He, he called our bodies very good. He plans on redeeming our bodies. God also gave us a spirit. And so we're more than animals. We can appreciate beauty. We can commune with God who is spirit. We are moral beings who are capable of knowing right from wrong. Okay, so what God created is good. We are human beings, which means we have both a body and a spirit. And finally, what we want to talk about this morning is that God created us in his image. So Genesis 1, 26 and 27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. We're not going to say everything about this passage today, but we're just going to touch on it. We're going to come back to some of these things. This is why you have to come back. We're not covering everything today. You wouldn't want me to do that. Um, this is one of the more famous passages of Scripture. And it's a rich text with layered meanings. That's why we can't talk about all of it today. This Scripture teaches equality before man ever thought of this idea. It teaches that we should treat every human being with dignity and respect, and no human being is less than we are. And this is why sins, such as racism, are so horrible. When we view someone else as less than a person, or we say things about someone else that disrespects them, we're disrespecting the image of God. And, and I think we're beginning to, to grasp this reality and move past it, hopefully. But being created in the image of God also has another meaning, uh, which carries with it certain responsibilities. And we often miss this other meaning because we are removed from the context of the ancient text. 
And so pagan deities had images of themselves in the ancient world. They were called idols. And one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons that God forbids idols is because we, human beings, were created to do what idols do. We are to image God before others. John Kleinig explains it this way. The whole human being as a soul, a living person with a human body and a human mind, was designed by the living God to reveal himself, however partially and imperfectly, in the person's life on earth. The body of each person was made for theophany, for God's human manifestation on earth, the visible disclosure of his glory in human terms. What does that mean? It means that through our bodies, we are to represent God on earth. Most of the commands that, that God gives us in Scripture are to act like Him. For instance, we, we find this command uh, repeated throughout both the Old and New Testaments. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. The reason that we are to be holy people is because God is holy. The reason we are to love is because God first loved us. The reason we are to forgive is because God has already forgiven us. And you can go on and on and on throughout all the commands. Our purpose as human beings is to image God to the rest of the world. We are God's image bearers. And what this means is that what we do with our bodies, it matters. We're not to do anything with them that would dishonor God. And we're to use our bodies for good. We're to, to use them to remind people that, that what God created is good. And these things are to be enjoyed and celebrated. And most importantly, we are to live in such a way that points people to God. Now, we can do this with our words. Um, our, our mission that Jesus gives us at the end of his ministry is to proclaim the good news to the world. But we can also do this with our bodies. Because before we were given the Great Commission, we were created in God's image. And we were commissioned to go out and to live as God would have us to live. So as we conclude this morning, I want to say a few things. You were made for a purpose. You were given a body for a reason. Your physical nature, who you are, it was not an afterthought. God designed you, each and every one of you, to bear his image in this world. Now, we're going to explore this more in the weeks to come, and, and you've got to come back. But for now, we are to live in such a way that we respect our bodies and the bodies of others. And we are to be representatives of God here on this earth. 
Each of us has been given a, a, a great and wonderful responsibility. We bear the image of Almighty God. Now go and live like it. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning confessing what you already know. We do live in confusing times. We live in difficult times. But what times are not difficult? You have placed us in this moment to live faithfully, to do your will, to be a light, to bear your image to everyone around us. I pray that we would open our eyes to your will, that we would embrace it, and that we would live this out before others so that they might come to know your truth and to be set free from everything in this world that seeks to enslave them. We're so thankful for Jesus who shows us what it means to be created in the image of God, what it looks like, what we are to do, what we are to say, how we are to live. May we look more and more to him. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? I usually give you a blessing at the, uh, from Scripture at the end of these lessons, but during this series, I want to change things up a little bit, and we're going to end every lesson with a charge, a charge from 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body.